Good morning, everyone. Welcome to those of you watching online this morning as well. We are in this series continuing kind of in, I don't know, the third quarter or so in this Firm Foundation series, looking at our core beliefs as a church, not just Browncroft. Yes, these are ours. We'll read one. But for we stand with Christians um, who have believed these core beliefs for 2,000 years. We're affirming them. And my premise, as I've said time or two, is that our theology, you should have one, I should have one, is not just something you dust off. It's not just something that's sort of, you know, there, you know, like it sits on a shelf. It's, it's, it's directly related to our lived experience. The main reason some people, you would say, have uneven relationship between how Christian X and Christian Y are experiencing the Christian life is not because God doles out his love and power in, you know, measure, uh, different measures for different people. It's because of our willingness. We have a part to play in engaging our faith, engaging God in our faith, and our theology is supposed to be a part of our lived experience. That's the point of this series. So this morning, as Colin mentioned, we're going to talk about the resurrection, okay, the resurrection of Jesus, the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Let me say a few things about it. Huge topic for a handful of minutes uh, here for me this morning. You would probably know this if you've uh, been in church for any period of time, that all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, end with the resurrection. We'll look at one of those passages today. The Acts, the book of Acts, which follows the uh, four Gospels, which is the proclamation, it's the proclamation of the apostles primarily proclaiming the resurrection. In fact, the, church, the sermon that launches the New Testament church, many of us would know this, Acts chapter 2, if you look at the long sermon that Peter gives, it's focused on the resurrection of Jesus. So all four Gospels end with the resurrection. The book of Acts is the apostles' proclamation of the resurrection. And literally, the assumption is that all the rest of the New Testament letters, right, all the ones beginning from Romans all the way to the end of the Bible, the assumption is, in all of those, is that Jesus Christ is the reigning Savior and the head of the church. Right? You know, that just, none of them start that way because it's the assumption there would be no point in writing the letters of the New Testament church if we didn't believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, not only rose from the dead, but he was the reigning, living uh, head of the church. Now, without the resurrection, let me say, hopefully these few introductory remarks are a hearty amen if you've been a Christian for any period of time. But the sacrificial death, without the resurrection, the sacrificial death of Christ, central, we talked about this uh, in the last few weeks, last week in particular, the sacrificial death of Jesus fails to provide the ground by itself for the salvation from your sin, right? You need the resurrection. It's the central piece or a central piece of the gospel. You've heard preachers like me quote this verse Many, many times. Right after John 3.16 comes Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. It's funny, the cross isn't even mentioned in that verse. Now, certainly it's assumed. But if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you need to believe in the resurrection to be saved. Now, in the minutes that I have this morning, I'm not out here to try to prove to you that the resurrection happened, right? I couldn't do that. How could I ever do that other than point to the scriptures, which we will do? I can't prove to you that the resurrection happened. You need to, I need to choose to believe it. But what I want to do in the few minutes as I have 
is to talk about what the resurrection means, should mean, could mean in the world, but also in my life and in your life. What the resurrection means. Let's start with the article where we've been doing this for these last many weeks from our Articles of Faith. We believe in the resurrection of the crucified body of the Lord, in his ascension into heaven and his perfect life there for us as high priest and advocate. What the resurrection means to you and me uh, and to the world today. Three things I want to say in this brief sermon. One, it's a new body, okay, for you and me. A new body, a new power, and a new mission. A new body, a new power, a new mission. Give a copy of the Bible. We're going to look at a few verses, but the main one, Luke chapter 24, verses 36 to 49, a message on the resurrection. Luke 24, 36 to 49. Follow along as I read. While they were still talking about this, the they are the disciples. We're looking, we're kind of getting into the middle of a encounter here, middle of the movie, Luke 24, and the this is the resurrection of Jesus. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace, with, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled, and why do you doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all Nations, beginning in Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Okay, on high. What does the resurrection mean? First thing it means is a new body. In the resurrection, we see our future. When I say our, I'm talking about those of us in this room listening to me who know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. In the resurrection, we see our future. If you count them all up in the New Testament, there are 14, this is one of them, so there's 13 other ones, resurrection appearances. Okay, 14 resurrection appearances. What are they? You know these. To the apostles, to one, to just to Peter, just to James, just to Paul. There's one verse in, in 1 Corinthians 15. We, I don't know if you've ever heard a sermon on it, but it says Jesus Christ appeared to over 500 people at once. Right? I don't know what that means, some kind of big gathering or something. Maybe at that point, the whole church, right? anyone that was a Christian in a manner of speaking, right after the resurrection, over 500 people at once, Jesus appeared to. Now, why did he do that? He didn't simply do that. Here's my point in this first point. You know, the, 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 in the resurrection, we see, our, he didn't, we, we see our future. He didn't just do that so that he could prove that he'd risen from the dead. Certainly that was part of it. 
But Acts chapter 1 tells us that Jesus Christ walked around the earth, right? And those are only the 14 of the only ones that are reported, right? And one of them, there was 500 people there. He walked around the earth as a resurrected person for more than 40 days. Think about that. It's not like this, wow, you missed it. It was on Sunday, and there he was, and, and we're overwhelmed. You know, like, like Mary Magdalene, the first to see him, or the it wasn't that kind of thing only for 40 days. More than 40 days, Acts chapter 1 tells us. Jesus Christ walked the earth. He didn't do that simply to show people that he'd risen from the dead, to prove it that was part of it. He did it to show them those who are first to see it, and us what resurrection looks like. Okay, That's why he did it. Because in the resurrection, we see our future. That's why he says, look at my hands. Think of how odd this is. And my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. And they're overwhelmed. They, they can't believe it. What's going on here? And then he says, listen, give me something to eat. I want to show you that I'm not a ghost, right? I eat as well. Give me something. you have anything to eat? That's what that's for. But let me say this about this moment. Of course they're overwhelmed. They've just gone, think of all the, the, the trajectory. They had the emotional, you know, they, they, were, they had been devastated by the death of Jesus. Their, their Lord, their King, their Savior. They believed him to be the Messiah, the, the Son of God. Who knows exactly where they were, but they had a tremendous loyalty and love. They'd left everything to follow him, and he died. And now they see him rising from the dead. But keep this in mind. It's very important you get this, we get this. That this, they're not just overwhelmed by seeing a resurrection because they'd already seen one, at least one, Lazarus, okay? In, in, in John chapter 11, that all the disciples were there, Maybe you've heard this story before. And they go to this close friend of Jesus, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. They're one family. They live near Jerusalem. They were close friends with Jesus, and they were likely close friends with the apostles. And Lazarus, sometime a year or so before this, Jesus Christ went to the tomb of Lazarus. Maybe you've heard this story. And Lazarus comes out. You know this story you've heard. You've seen preachers tell it in a comical way. This guy comes out wrapped with all these grave clothes on. Take the grave clothes off, okay? They'd seen that. But here's what we know. Likely, okay, that, you know, they eventually saw Lazarus, you know, he went on, he, he, he took the grave clothes off, they had a gathering for him, I think it's in John chapter 12, you know, celebration, someone rose from the dead, right, but eventually Lazarus, you know, got the flu, you know, eventually Lazarus, you know, got heart disease or whatever, in other words, Lazarus was not given a resurrected body, Lazarus was given another shot at life, he came back from the dead, but what they're seeing here is not the, Jesus didn't have the same body. It was similar. It was not exactly the same. It was his forever body, right, that Jesus had here. This body that Jesus had was unable to suffer. It was unable to experience sickness. It was unable to die. In fact, when Jesus rises from the dead, or excuse me, I mean ascends to heaven, it's right after we didn't read it at the end of Luke 24. In Acts chapter 1, it says, listen, the, the, the angel is with all the disciples, and they're blown away. That's another uh, uh, one of the 14 accounts where Jesus rises from the dead. He's talking to the disciples. He gives them that great commission, going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And then it says, as they were standing there, he began to ascend right there in their presence up into heaven. And the angel said to them, don't be freaked out. Don't worry about what you're seeing because Jesus, this same Jesus, 
makes the point that you're seeing go up there right now. This same Jesus is going to come back in the same way. In other words, this is his forever body. The one you see him with now is the one he's coming back with. It's a body that is free of all of the constraints of mortality. And here's the point, my first point. The Apostle Paul says, it's the same body that you and I are coming back with. It's going to be part of your body and my body, your future and my future, if you're a follower of Jesus. Listen to these words, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now the Apostle Paul's not talking about Jesus, he's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's answering this question about the resurrection. Verse 42 of verse chapter 15. So, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown, I was speaking of humanity, is perishable. It is raised imperishable. People are saying, listen, I don't know if I want to be risen from the dead. You know, if you live long enough, you have so many aches and pains and, you know, things don't look as good as they did at, you know, 80 that they did at, you know, 25. I don't, when Paul says, listen, take a breath. The body that is sown a, in, in, uh, is perishable. It's raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. Right? Now there's all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. It is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. Now watch this. It's raised a spiritual body. What does that mean? It sounds like a, a, a contradiction in terms. No, it's not. We, 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 we have this notion. It's not biblical. You die and go to heaven, and you're sort of this, this immaterial spirit. That's not true. There's nothing in the Bible that would validate that at all. Right? It's raised a, what is a spiritual body? It's the body that Jesus Christ has, my point. The body that Jesus Christ had was more substantial, not less. It means spiritual body means that you're in tune, fully in tune with the, whole, with the spirit. That's what it means. Not that it's not immaterial. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first Adam became a living being, Genesis 1. The last Adam a life-giving spirit. It's talking about Jesus. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after the, that, the spiritual. That's what you see in the resurrection of Jesus. The first man was of the dust of the earth, Adam. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, listen carefully, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. The risen body of Jesus is a model for the body of every single believer in Jesus Christ that has ever lived. That's where you're headed. That's what Paul's saying. That's why Jesus spent so much time doing what he's doing. Listen, for 40 days, I could imagine this. We, don't, we only have 14 appearances. But my guess is for 40 days, Jesus did a lot of touch, see, examine. Take a hard look at me, friends. Because this is where you are headed. This is where it's all going for your life and for my life. For a Christian, death is a transition. Okay, Death is a transition. Not to an immaterial existence, but to a more fully material one, right? Our body will be more substantial, not less. Life will be far more substantial in every single way. C.S. Lewis, 
He, he gave this, turned out to be a small book, and it was a sermon he gave really at the height of World War II in a church in London. So the sermon's called The Weight of Glory. At present, we are on the outside of the world, the wrong side of the door. We discern freshness and purity of mourning, but they do not make us fresh and pure. We cannot mingle with the splendors we see, but all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumor that it will not Always be so. Someday, God willing, we shall get in. This is what Jesus is saying. Someday, you're going to look just like me. You're going to have a body that, that doesn't suffer. You're going to have a body that will never get sick. You're going to have a body that will never be subject to death ever again. It's going to be just like this body. I can remember a conversation, many conversations when I first became a Christian with my family, my mother in particular. You know, maybe, maybe just the love of a son, she would just listen to me, you know. And one conversation we, we, we had about eternal life, you know. And I talked to her, Mom, eternal life. For God so loved the world, eternal life. She said, Honey, finally, you know, after listening to me, she said, I can't imagine living forever. She said, One life is enough. Right? A one life is enough. But I said, Mom, that's not what we're talking about. I think she said that with a smile on her face, but I think we, in, in some ways, many of us feel that way. Who wants to live forever in this body? But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, listen to these words. Paul's letter. But our citizenship is in heaven, okay, in a manner of speaking. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. When Paul wrote that Jesus Christ has already risen from the dead, he's saying, listen, all those, all those times you saw Jesus touch me, feel me, him get something to eat, take a hard look at me now. Right? I'm coming back, and when I come back, you're going to have a glorious body just like mine. In the resurrection, right? what does it mean, the resurrection? In the resurrection, we see our future. Second thing this passage tells us, this great truth tells us, in the resurrection, we have a new power for living. And we just sang about it. What a great line. In the resurrected the resurrected king is resurrecting me and you. Right? This is present tense. This is what it means to be a Christian. No, I, I don't have the same body that Jesus had. The, the Bible says, listen, when I become a believer, I don't get the body of Jesus. I don't get the forever body yet. But I do get something else. I get the power of Christ. I, got the, I have the first fruits. I have the spirit. I have the, the, the beginnings of eternal life today. The resurrected king, now today, in this life, is resurrecting me. Because the resurrection happened as an event within the world, okay, that's what we see in Luke 24 and the other 13 places, it affects our felt within the world. That's why he ends this passage like this, verse 49. He doesn't say, listen, friends, I want you to see where we're all headed. Now batten the hatches, hold on, because eventually you're going to die and go to heaven and be with me. It's not what he says. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in this city until you've been clothed 
with a power from on high. I want to give you some of the resurrection life right here, right now. Okay? That's what Jesus is saying. In the resurrection, we have a new power for living. You know, one of the reasons the Jews, there are many reasons the Jewish people rejected Jesus. One of the big ones, we've talked about this before, is they were looking for more of a political salvation than, let's say, the the salvation from the power of sin, right? They wanted the Romans off their back. They wanted lower taxes. They wanted the freedom of worship. They they wanted to be able to experience the the temple without the corruption, let's say, of, of the Romans around them. That's what they were looking for. They were looking for a political Messiah. But the other thing that was interesting, if you know your Old Testament, is the Jews, they did believe in a resurrection, okay? But they, did not, they believed that the resurrection would happen at the very end of time, not in the middle of time. One of the famous uh, examples of this is in the book of Job. Job says, listen, I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives, and in the end, he will stand on the earth. The Jewish understanding was, listen, in the end, when God cleans up all this mess, when the world and history has exhausted itself, when there's no more history to be lived, when God's plans are completely and totally finished, on that day, there will be a resurrection. But not a resurrection in the middle of time. Here Jesus comes. He didn't have to do this. Think about it. God could have accomplished salvation, died for, the, for our sins on the cross. He did rise. They could have preached the resurrection and said this is the, it's accomplished and it's ultimately going to bring the conclusion of where all people are, who are Christians are going to be with God in heaven forever and ever when it's all done. But that's not what he did. He sent his son down in the middle of history. Jesus came down to say, listen, I want to show you where this is all headed. The change begins now. You and I do not receive a new body just like Jesus. Mine gets sick. Yours gets sick. It will be subject to weakness and death. But the Spirit of God, we just sang about this, who raised Jesus is alive in you today if you're a Christian. Romans 8, 11. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, it's Paul's fancy way of saying if you're a Christian, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit of Christ that lives in you. All right? Jesus is saying, listen, I want it to begin. That's why when the Bible says this great verse that we're, we're all so familiar with, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but wait for it, have eternal life. That's not a promise for what happens to you when you die. So listen, the eternal life that is promised, you get it today. It's called, they use, sometimes they use the word first fruits. Sometimes they use the word the earnest of our salvation. It's the beginning of something. If the spirit of Christ dwells in you, then the same spirit, the same God, the spirit, God used the spirit to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. That same spirit gives life into your mortal bodies today if you have eyes to see it and if you are open to it. Now, what does that mean? Am I going to walk on water? I'm not going to walk on water in this life. In the next one, I will. If I understand the New Testament, so will you. 
But in this life, what does it mean that the Spirit of God gives life to my mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in me, in you? It means this. At least it means I can live without fear in my life today. I can live with a, a, I can endure suffering without being crushed. I can love people who are hard to love. I can accomplish things. Sometimes amazing things that I could never do in my own strength. The resurrected king is resurrecting me, is resurrecting you today if you're a follower of Jesus. This is amazing. This is what the resurrection means, a new power for living today. Last thing this passage tells us is in the resurrection, we're given a mission to change the world. Okay, we're given a mission to change the world. Two times in this one passage, verse 44 and 46, it says these words, it is written, it is written. Everything I must be fulfilled, that is written about me in the law of Moses. What it means when it says it's been written is, listen, when, 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 the, when the New Testament writers say this, when Jesus says this, it is written, this is what he's saying. This is what God has been up to all along. Right? There's actually nothing new revealed here. It's not new truth. It's old truth properly interpreted. This is the problem with many Christians. It was certainly a problem with the whole Jewish nation is the, the truth is right here, but we can't see it. Right? Or blinded to it. And that's why Jesus says this, verse 45, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Listen, that is a prayer that I pray, and I hope that you pray every single time I open the Bible, every day. I pray, I pray in a version of Luke 24, 45, Lord, open my mind that I can understand the scriptures and give me a power so that those scriptures, clothed with power and high, can direct my life in the ways you want it to go. This is what it means to have the resurrected power living in you today. Do you do that? Do I do that? And listen, where's it all headed? What's the purpose of this power? This is what was written. This is what God's been up to all the time. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead. Got it, on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. He's saying, listen, this is what it's all about. This is why, of course, I died and rose from the dead. I came to accomplish the salvation of the world. But the reason I've come back in the middle of history and I'm going to give you the power that's in me, my forever body, my future, the future is coming to the present. I want to give some of that to you now for one primary purpose. This is the purpose of your life. This is the purpose of my life that I might be a living letter. I might be a living voice. My, my words, my time, my, my, the way I live my life, the way I conduct my relationships might be a witness to people who do not know Christ as their Savior. Just listen, God loves you. God wants to have a forever relationship with you. God wants to redeem you. He wants to forgive your sins. Where the repentance and the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. This is the whole point of life. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is why you've been given a resurrection power. I've been given resurrection power for living today. C.S. Lewis, once again. Same sermon. Think about this. You're about your life, my life, your calling, my calling. There are no ordinary people. Imagine saying this in the middle of World War II in, in, in London. You have never talked to a mere mortal. 
Nations, cultures, arts, civilization. You could add politics. These are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. What are you worried about? What are you spending your time on? But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play, but our merriment must be of that kind which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. Right? This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it means to be the real woke. Right? I mean, you are, you're opened up to the understanding that the resurrected king has resurrected you that you are headed to a place. You're not going to go off and be some flying spirit. You're going to have a body that's more substantial than, than you ever dreamed. You're going to have a life that's indestructible. That's where you're headed. And every single person that you talk to and that I talk to, that you're related to, that you live near, that you don't like or that you do like, they're immortals. And God has sent you and God has sent me, broken as we are, imperfect as we are, clothed in dishonor still and in weakness, but we have the spirit of the living God within us and the ability to help point people to a forever life with Jesus Christ. There's a, one guy I've gotten to know just over the last year. Um, I drive by this area near my house where there's these homeless guys, and this particular guy, I've probably only known him for, I don't know, probably the better part of a year. They kind of cycle. This guy's name is Jason. And I saw him just this past week, and, and, I, and over probably the eight months or nine months that we've had conversations, just talk, buy him a hamburger, sometimes have a word, a quick word of prayer, but just kind of catch up. But he always tells me the same story. I remember the first time he told to me, Pastor Rob, Rob, I just want to, you know, get and talk to me. He goes, listen, I go, you know, catch me up on you. I don't get all the back details, but he said, listen, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm working with social services and this, that, and the other things about to happen. I'm just signing the papers and I'm going to have my own place even mentions where it is. You know, South Avenue and something, something, the, the cross street over there. This is where I'm going to, and I said, great, Jason, I want you to know. Excited for you. And, and, if, and when that happens, the first time we had this conversation could have been back in, you know, September. When it happens, you know, you know I'd like to and some friends, we'd like to, you know, kind of furnish, help, help, help you get in, you know, give you some things. Great. And now we, we just this past week, we had that conversation for the umpteenth time, okay? There's always something, you know, standing in the way. But after we got done with that conversation, I thought to myself, God, help me. It's my prayer, just driving away. Help me to see this man who I can dismiss, who I can say, you know, he's never going to change, who's living a life that's very, very challenging, even more challenging than most. Help me to see this man the way that you do. Help me to believe that he too can have one day a forever body and that one day he's going to live a quality of life that he's never going to touch today. Right? That's true for every single person. If I believe this Bible, that you come into contact, that I come into contact. How would that change the way we live our lives if we understood that? Right? The resurrection... In the resurrection, we're given a new mission to change the world. What does the resurrection mean? 
Number one, it means you can live, I can live without regrets, or at least the kinds of regrets that many people live with. Why is that? Because this is not my last shot. That's what this tells me. In other words, this life that you and I are living with all our aches and pains and mistakes, it's, it's just the training wheels. This isn't it. You're going to get another shot. And that life that you're going to live, that body that you're going to have, it's going to be like this one, but a lot different than this one. Okay? You can live without regret. I can live without regret. Second, even today we can live with tomorrow's power. If you come to the scriptures and say, God, open my understanding that I might truly understand the scriptures. If you come with this, um, this position every single day and say, God, not only open my mind to the scriptures, but clothe me with power so that those scriptures can actually animate my life. Right? In the resurrection, we have access to a power, a new power to change your life today. It's up to you. It's up to me. And last, what does the resurrection mean? It means it holds the potential, anyway, for you and me to help the people around us, right? Whether they're homeless or they drive a fancy automobile and live in a nice neighborhood, to help the people around us take a step closer, right, to everlasting life. That's what we're called to do. Amen? Let's pray. God and Father, thank you for these minutes we have this morning and Lord, we, uh, how could we ever do justice, you know, in, in a half an hour to the amazing reality of the resurrection of Jesus? That, Lord, you came from heaven to earth not only to accomplish our salvation, but then to, to show us, touch me, see me, <laughs> you know, I'm not a ghost, to show us where we are headed, to show us what the future, our future, looks like. And Lord, to give us even today, through your word, through your spirit, a power to live a different kind of life. Lord, I pray for every person in this room, wherever they are this morning, in their family life, in their personal life, in their health, Lord, help us to know this is just barely the end of the beginning. That we as followers of Jesus, those of us who are followers of Jesus today, we have the promise that is so beyond our imagination, more than we can hope or imagine because of the spirit that lives within us. We are gonna have a quality of life like Jesus had when he rose from the dead. That's coming. And help us, Father, I pray, to take advantage of the days that we have left, the years that we have left, to hunger for, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to hunger for that kind of spiritual power, to live a different kind of life, and to love people, to see people in our lives, to see people in our community, to see people all around us, Lord, the way that you see them, immortals, broken, yes, hurting, yes, in darkness, yes, but immortal beings 
who only need to come to know you as Lord and Savior. Help us, Lord, to um, see our lives differently because Jesus has risen. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, watch this brief video. Have a great Sunday.